Love Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning once again. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. Every week, at every Wednesday, I should say, every week, every Wednesday at noon on the Yellow Ball Network. I bring you American Tennis. And, folks, I want to remind you, John Denise out there every Thursday at 5.30, and I owe him a whopper of an apology uh, for last week. All I can say, and I told John earlier, and, folks, I'm bringing this up right now, and I'm going to bring it up first. If you listen every week and if you believe in the power of prayer, someone very, very close to our family Need your prayers right now, and just dive in there if you can, and please just remember uh, the Creasy family and uh, our family, okay, right now, and thank you, and uh, John, I apologize to you for last week, daggone it, I I didn't get on there till late, and uh, we are completely consumed with the uh, news, the challenging news, I'm not going to say bad news, the challenging news that we had for our family. And, uh, folks, uh, power of prayer is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly important. Just please, thank you, just say, please uh, uh, ask God to be with us and uh, with our loved one as she goes through some a hard time right now. So um, that's that. And I wanted to move on and just say, folks, look, uh I've been on, this is five years now, five years on the uh, first UR Tennis Network and then also with um, the Yellow Ball Network now. Thank you, J.P. Weber. And I I want you to think about Jason Haynes and the challenges his family has had as well and keep the prayers going towards Jason Haynes and the challenges he's had, his son has had. And we need to think, when we're playing this game of tennis, we need to think of the blessings that we have be able to this is the most fantastic sport in the world it is a fantastic fantastic um 
thing that our youngsters get to do that we've gotten to do 47 years now for me and I am just every day I get to go to work and I'm just going to keep doing it as long as the good Lord will let me and uh, folks just thanks for listening today I, I want you to look at uh, chuckcreasy.net www.chuckcreasy.net uh, k-r-i-e-s-e dot net and you can get all the programs that we've had over the past five years also email me at uh, chuckcreasy at gmail chuckcreasy at gmail and I've gotten some uh, emails I'm glad to email you back and uh, help you out wherever I can if I'm allowed to within the NCA rules and stuff like that but uh, go to my website. We do have a – I'm starting to do some consultant business where I'm allowed to and uh, trying to get around and do some other things. But we do do the radio program every week at Wednesday at noon, and we address issues that need to be addressed. And um, all I can say is that our duty as Americans is to stand up, speak out, and say those things that need to be said and address issues, not people. You can say any daggone thing you want. You know what? You are allowed to have your opinion in the United States of America. And that's, look, on the outside, look, everybody wants diversity. On the outside, they get diversity, whether it's coloring your hair, getting earrings, getting different tattoos, trying to, oh, we need diversity, diversity. But then on the inside, everybody's preaching, oh, we all got to think the same way. No, that's is not the way God meant it, meant it to be. We are supposed to have, we could diversity on the inside. Everybody is an individual. We are allowed in the United States of America to stand up, speak out, be polite, address issues, not people, but daggone, we need to fight the battles of the, the conformity they're forcing on our inside. Now, on the outside, as I said last week, on the outside, there's a chain of command. The police are in charge. The circle of influence around us, all of us, should be God first, then our family, then our neighborhoods, then our community, then our schools. All these circles of influence should come before law and order and those things. But think how those those uh, organized and chain of commands have been broke down. And uh, so we got it sort of backwards, rear end backwards. You know, we, we need uh, diversity on the inside. How, how in the heck did I get off talking about that other than that's part uh, leads into what I want to talk about. But um, recently uh, I've got a lot of stuff going on with my kids' music and with my kids' uh, sports. They're ba- my son's baseball, my daughter's cross country and swimming and the tennis and all those things. And it just keeps hitting me over and over and over again. What is going on with our young people? I want to see some fire. I want to see passion. I want to see someone who gets locked in and really pursues excellence. Now, if you think about it, I could go off on these tangents, but excellence is not being pursued anymore in music. Excellence is not being pursued in art. Excellence is not being, you you might argue, hey, we've got a lot of good players and some excellence and some passion going on in sports field. It might be our last place where we can go to battle. But daggone it, it's it's really very, very frustrating how we are creating after-school activities for our youngsters and we're creating activities for them, but we're not, 
creating passionate endeavors. We are therefore not teaching the heart and the soul and the insides of youngsters. We're tantalizing the outside but not teaching the insides. Now, when I do my program every week, I honestly think about some families that I've met, some parents that I've met, some youngsters that I've coached, and even coaches that I've worked with and say, you know, I'm thinking about maybe listening to the program. And I'm saying, what would I want to say to you who have this journey to make with sports with your children, whether you are a young coach, a high school coach, or just getting started, or whether you are a parent who's trying to figure out how in the world do I get my kids through this maze of tennis where it's so expensive and it's so hard and there's so many places to go. What the heck do I do? I'm having a hard time getting my son through the many mazes of baseball right now. My daughter trying to figure out, hey, do they do more? They do less. How, how intense should they be? Dang, last night my son has a playoff baseball game, and it's they have sort of the little league, and then they have these travel ball things, and this is like the little league, and a lot of people call it the rec league, and I don't like that. And a lot of the parents are just, oh, have a good time, honey. Have a good time. And, of course, I'm looking at it. No, this is where a youngster gets introduced to trying hard. This is where a youngster gets introduced into caring a lot. This is where a youngster gets introduced into being a player instead of a participant. Now, my program is tennis player or just playing tennis. The depth of commitment that it takes to be a serious tennis player is among the hardest thing out there, isn't it? The difference definitely needs to be defined maybe and maybe understood at a deeper level so the player has a chance to go for excellence. Look, I, I want to talk about these things, and I wanted to say, first of all, no, we're not out ever telling kids you got to win or else. You know what? We should be saying, you know what? you got to try your best or else. We shouldn't say you got to be the number one in the world, but we should be saying, you know what? Be number one in the world at who God made you to be. Be number one in the world at trying your best. Be number one in the world at being who God meant for you to be, be that unique individual. So, I mean, we, we, we're getting it so messed up now because we look at enter, entertainment over education. We're looking at hard trials over people who are actually competitors. We're looking at doing your best, and that's uh, good enough. And you know what? Doing your best is good enough if you're pursuing excellence. Maybe we need to define the difference between participation tennis and performance tennis. Maybe we need that's where it is. Here's where we have a problem. Look, my uh, last night we're walking by a baseball field of t-ball, and my wife looks over and says, you know what, uh, Chuck, Charlie, she calls me Charlie, you know what? I'm glad we didn't get our son involved too early in this t-ball stuff. That's just sort of bump and giggle stuff, and the parents are having fun, the kids are having fun. But the skill set, it's not like they get all these skills when they do this. I mean, it's he sort of started playing when he's eight or nine, and then little by little, here's what's happening. I notice what's happening is that it's starting to matter a lot more to him. 
it's starting the running and the swimming is starting matter a lot more to my 14-year-old daughter. It's starting to matter to my 10-year-old daughter about her dancing. She's in this ballet stuff, and I don't know anything about that, except it's competitive as all get out. And you know what? They're pursuing excellence. I go over to those lessons, and I, I, I'm going, what in the world? Some people are saying, you know, why would you spend your money and your child doing that? That teacher is pursuing excellence. It's just not an after-school activity. I've often used the analogy that we're creating bands and putting people in the band, but no one becomes an orchestra player through being in the band. It might be a good after-school activity, but the way that you make great bands is by pursuing orchestra music. And, uh, (laughs) oh, my, yesterday, you know, one of my friends called me and they said, you know, Coach, you know, you've done this and you've done that and you've done this, but basically you've been in it 40, I said 47 years, and I'm still fighting hard and trying hard. And they said, somebody said, boy, that guy's sort of out there, isn't he? Somebody local must have said, that guy's really out there. Well, you know what? If, if he's comparing, somebody's comparing me to what's going on with our American society, yeah. Yeah, you could say I'm sort of out there. You know, I'm out of the box because I don't like what's going on when you put our kids in a box. So today I want to talk about this. We have a guest uh, coach with us. I'll just say real hi to Coach Dave. Coach, how you doing, man? Good. Good. I've got Coach with me here, and we're going to ask him some questions and get him on the show here in a minute. Now, the reason I brought uh, Coach Fosnott on, on the show is he's been a player. He came up through junior tennis. He's been a player. He's been a um, junior coach, he's been worked at clubs, been directors at clubs, and he also has been a college coach, or he's a college coach now. And we're going to talk about the level of commitment um, that it takes and just some ideas he has. So he just, it's, it's not all about my ideas, but I do want to go back and, and go through sort of a step-by-step thing that you can hang on to with your kids if you're a parent or hang on to if you're a player and you're trying to figure out the difference. Okay, now, if you care, starting out, if you dare and if you care, pressure will be there. And with pressure, we can say pressure is a privilege, all that we want, but when it comes down to it, none of us just relish pressure. You can say, oh, I really like it, I really like it. Yeah, you like it after it's over. The pressure is always part of the deal. And we tell kids, if you don't have any butterflies, you're not going to play well. But if you don't get them to fly in formation, you're not going to play well. You've got to get your butterflies, and you've got to get them to fly in formation. And it takes a little bit of uneasiness before the, the kids go, to, go into the arena to play to where they, they deal with this. And sometimes it starts, I tell, tell you, my son with his baseball, he had to pitch last night. And he was nervous in the morning when he got up. And I said, son, just go through your routines, do your rituals, routines, and you'll get confidence as the day goes on, and then regular stuff, good enough, and enjoy the battle. You know, you tell him this kind of stuff, but the bottom line on the thing is he's at the place where he's just realizing that, wow, if I dare, if I care, the pressure is going to be there. 
and I can say, look, when your rear end starts to quiver, you still have to deliver all I want, but at the same time, he's just getting used to the pressure, so he's having to deal with the pressure. And you might have a kid that's loosey-goosey out there, and parents are just giving him three Reese cups and a Coke, and the kid's flying high on sugar for a few minutes. He might hit a home run. He might do good. People say that's better, but it's not because eventually there's going to be pressure, and you have to use pressure as high-octane as high octane fuel to do the job. I'm going to go through a few things. Number one, pressure, if you care, if you dare, pressure will be there, and it's about what you do with the pressure. No pressure is terrible. Too much pressure is terrible. We've talked about the Yates inverted U hypothesis or the pressure curve. In psychology, it's called Yates. Y-A-T-E-S, Yates, inverted U hypothesis, look it up. But this is the pressure curve. What is the key to having that pressure right? All right, so I wanted to bring in the thing about pressure, first of all, because that's what makes the kids tap dance around doing their best. That's what tap, why the kids tap dance around engaging that's why kids tap dance around a commitment to what, full commitment to what they're under achieving. Look, the kids don't, here, here I go, on, I'm going to backtrack here for 30 seconds, but our kids don't need to win. They want to win and they like to win, but let's face it, if your kids don't win in their sports, life's going to be pretty much the same. You're going to treat them great. A lot of times you'll treat them better when they lose. And uh, after a while, and it's like from the movie Whiplash, where good job, or saying good job is about the best they will get or the worst that they can get. So they don't have to win. Generations ago, people had to win or life did not get better. Kids would all like to win, but they don't have to. You know, and, and so... You know, we we see it in music, we see it in art. I've often told youngsters that you can go to school every day of your life and never be a student. Play tennis every day of your life and never be a tennis player. You can play piano every day of your life, never be a musician, never be an artist, never be uh, whatever you're engaged in. There's a difference between my son can play baseball every day of his life, but he becomes a baseball player and that's what's happening. I'm excited. You know, he gets up and he gets on uh, dog on YouTube on my wife's phone and watch fast pitch. And he studies about how to slide and, you know, what the pitches are. And he's got an inquisitive mind. And so your, your youngsters think about this. If your youngsters are making good grades but they're not hungry to go to school, you might have a problem. We homeschool our children. And the one reason we're doing it, not that my wife and what she puts together through the different programs that is so much superior in knowledge or something, but the homeschooling done right, if the kids develop the hunger of an inquisitive mind and they develop hunger, you, they're on their way. And this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing it in my older da- oldest daughter now, and I'm seeing it in my son starting in his baseball, I know, but he's got the hunger of an inquisitive mind. He's way ahead of me in baseball knowledge, and he's learning about how to put his effort on the line and deal with the ups and the downs that come along with sports. And my daughter, 
who's in the ballet is woo. <laughs> Again, there's no way to do. There's no way to be successful unless you're locked in there. So how do we get our kids locked in? The easy definition is again from compliance. Now think about it. compliance is the base level of just hey I care uh, I care but I'm in and out. So you're forced to do the right thing. That's the base level of doing what your parents want or doing what the teacher wants or doing what the coach wants. That's compliance. Hopefully that evolves to a level of commitment where the, the youngster says, he or she says, you know what, I care and I will dare and I know the pressure is going to be there. So I'm making a commitment to my actions. I'm going to get up earlier in the morning. I'm going to do run more. I'm going to hit my serves. I'm going to get preparation. I'm going to take a notebook and those different things. But then the next level is the one that goes a little deeper, inspired enthusiasm. Inspired enthusiasm, the word enthusiasm, as I've said before in this program, comes from the Greek derivative, uh, hen theos, theos, God, the spirit of God within if someone calls you enthusiastic, you are up and rolling. I mean, that means that you, God is, you know, I mean, you basically are trying to glorify God or you're trying to do your best from within. Inspired enthusiasm. The ultimate is your RAS system, reticular activating system. Folks, look up the 13-minute and one second video on YouTube of the reticular activating system. It is the key. Now, how you get kids to lock in and use that filtering system of their reticular activating system, folks, that's, that's the key. And that's it with the team I'm doing right now. It's with the youngsters. It's with my kids. It's with everything. How do you get the RAS locked in there to where they start seeking it out? So, and, I, and again, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, my son's going to be a doctor and, uh, the, the thing about it is that my, my son is a doctor. He's studying about the brain, he said, and he said these cell phones give you all the answers. So the the problem is that it is sort of a, they, they call it a hijacking of the dopamine faucet of the brain when the answers are given to kids, when things are so easy. Easy to pick up makes things easy to put down. Hard to pick up makes them hard to pick down, put down. So we've We've got to go to that RAS system. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the ability, desire, opportunity part many, many times. It's, it's the God-given ability, opportunities that you parents out there are giving your kids, and it's their desire, and it's got to be a, a balance there all the time. That's, that's the critical thing. So um, our program today on this subject, I'm going to go, come back. We're going to talk to Coach Dave. I've got to go to commercial real quick, and we will be right back with American Tennis, and this is Coach Chuck Creasy. This is Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. 
in my 30 years experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and please look at ChuckCreasy.net, folks, for my books, for my writings, for my radio shows and the consulting business that I'm getting into now some. And, uh, folks, I can do some things within the NCAA rules. I can't do others. But please just go there if you want to connect and write to me at ChuckCreasy at gmail.com. Look at ChuckCreasy.net. making them in America, and look, folks, we've, we've, where's the quality in art, music, sports, academic, where's the hunger, where's the quality going to come from? And, folks, I could not be more dead serious when I say anything easy to pick up is going to be easy to put down. Hard to pick up is hard to put down. The law of deferred gratification will always work in our society. I don't care how much we have the answers on the Internet and how much it, it looks like it matters to just be able to look up stuff quickly. We, we're going to still, the people who are going to change the world and make the world a better place and everything are going to be the innovators and those that are hungry. And we're, look, let's face it, if your youngster makes pro tennis and makes one of the 13, you know, 13 men right now on the men's side are making a good living in professional tennis. 6,000 baseball players are making it. So it's going to be hard to make a great living. You've got to travel. Tennis is hard. It's harder than being a violinist at the New York Philharmonic. It is a tough, tough deal. But let's face it, there's not a better sport in the world that teaches kids how to deal with one-on-one competition, confrontation, character chance, character issues on their own side, on the other person's side, problem-solving, making adjustments, and trying to figure out how to work through a maze to achieve a goal. So where are our next great people going to come from? Well, I think sports are where the answer is at. Tennis is the best of sports. All you parents out there, two books I want you to get. Number one, The Talent Code, C-O-D-E. The Talent Code by Stephen, what the heck is the guy's name? Daniel Coyle, C-O-Y-L-E. Daniel Coyle. And then the other book is called Good to Great. And it starts out by answering that 
good is the enemy of great, and it answers that. And I know that the great coach Brian Bolin at the University of Virginia always said that he always had his players and his coaches read the book Good to Great. But this will bring out some of the things, the traps and things that are out there that just lead us into mediocrity. You know, so, but I'm going to, as I set the table, we have other things we're going to bring up, but I want to go to our visiting coach, uh, this coach, Dave Fosnott. And uh, first of all, um, I want to ask, Coach, uh, you've been in the arena, coaching arena in a lot of different, you were coached as a junior player. You came up through the junior ranks. You played some college tennis, and you went out and you've been teaching. Now you're seeing in college as well, talk about the issues that I'm bringing up and some of your what are observations, understanding, and some of the things, just like if we had parents sitting right here in the room, Coach. All right, well, one of the biggest things that I've come to realize with juniors is that they always think that the harder they work, the easier it gets. Uh, but the biggest misconception on that is the harder you work, the harder it gets. Wait a minute, why? Go ahead, why, why? Uh, because the harder you work, the more pressure you build on yourself and build on yourself to want to get these big wins and be able to do all these great things. And that's where the kids or people begin to crack because they can't handle the pressure. They can't handle the fact that maybe maybe they can't get to where they thought. And uh, a lot of things start to come into question instead of just pushing through the tough times and the hard times hit. Um that was one of the biggest things in the country club to get get the juniors that are trying to get there to know is that it's okay to fail. It's all right to, to work hard and not get there because you just have to keep pushing through it and keep trying to get to that goal. And eventually one day if you work hard enough, it'll happen. Uh, you know, nothing's guaranteed. That's where the biggest thing needs to happen in junior tennis from my perspective is understanding that the hard work pays off, but it only pays off if you allow it to. It it enhances the chance. When people work hard, and I've had exactly, I've had youngsters say, I'm working so hard, but I seem to be getting worse. I tell them it does not guarantee, it enhances the chances for winning. Correct. Speak to that a little bit about the hard work, and it doesn't just guarantee. No, it doesn't just happen. Um, the, they have, they have to be, the, and the hard work has to come with a purpose. It can, you can't just be working hard for the for the point of working hard. Uh, you have to have a goal in mind. You have to try to be able to get certain things finished and certain things done. Um, that's where, and, and and that's not just in America. There's all, in every other country the same same issues happen with trying to understand how hard is hard work, and where 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 is the finish line. And the beauty of tennis is that there is no finish line. They're, even the greats now, the ones on tour, the guys that are still top 100 in the world, they're still working hard. And the top 100 in the world, the top 100 in the nation, and top 100 in the South, they're all trying to work hard to get to that next level. And it's just trying to find where, where is that level need to be pushed to. You know, um, I'm reminded, and this is really true, <clears throat> I can remember certain instances where, you know, when I was at Clemson all those years and you would bring somebody onto the program who might have been a talented player, but then they had to work really, really hard. I can remember a kid from Florida that was so talented. And um, we had a match that was really, really hard in the fall. It was a tournament match. 
and he did all the right things. He did all the preparation. He did all of the <laughs> all of the uh, routines between points. Competed like crazy, and he won the match afterwards. He goes, "Oh, coach, that was just so hard doing all that stuff. It's so hard. Can I just play? Can I just play?" And I said, "Well, sure you can, but the difference is when you say I am responsible, then it's going to be harder." And there was a kid, uh, when I worked up in uh, College Park, Maryland, we had a young man up there, the great Frank Salazar, who is one of the best out there as far as uh, coaching. And I I give him a lot of credit. He doesn't work there anymore, but he's uh, the the guy was a great coach. And he had this youngster that came from New York that when the young man came in, he was like 114 in the country, Dave. And uh, he came in, and in one year he got him to 11 in the country. I mean, that that's unbelievable. He jumped, what, 103 spaces. But here's the point. He won, and he won, and he won, and he won, and then all of a sudden when he got to 11 in the country, he could not buy a match. It took about four months for him to acclimate to the higher altitude, as I say it. And this is the thing, parents, when your youngsters start working hard, remember now they have the element of pressure. Now they're supposed to do well. They're going to do worse at first. They're going to do worse at first until they acclimate to the higher altitude. But their commitment level in becoming a tennis player instead of just someone who plays tennis is the thing that will separate them from from the other other players so does that all make sense sir what kind of um, advice would you give the parents if your kids are in tennis and uh, they're trying to achieve a lot in the first of all look folks 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 there's no formula set in stone that is the pathway I always make fun look it's an expressway your child's expressway is their own pathway. There should be 100 ways to get good. There really are. And do not feel like you have to do this tournament. You have to do that. You have to do this. You have to do that. Find out what is best for your child and work that through in their their growth has to be happening. It's just like homeschooling. The homeschooling thing is beautiful if the kids are self-motivated. If they're not self-motivated, of course, people are afraid without the structure. They'll get lazy and stuff like that. But uh, usually you just got to monitor that. If your kids start pulling the plug without a pathway that's set up, that USTA pathway, it just makes me crazy. Oh, you got to do the net generation tenant under program. And guess what? We have these all these club pros that have put this thing together and all these coaches, and this is the best pathway. We're going to follow the European model, and we're going to do this. If you ever figured out that Europe sort of stinks in tennis other than Serbia and Croatia and some of those places, think about it. Okay, Spain got good because Spain was hungry. Before Spain broke out of the pack in the mid-'90s, they weren't very good in tennis, Okay. Now, Sweden hadn't done anything since the Borg impact. Germany hadn't done anything since the uh, since uh, Watson Boris Becker. Okay, 
Come on now, Italy, has it got anything going there? You got anything? No. They haven't got France. France got a lot of pretty good people. When's the last French champion? Are you telling me that Montfils could not be a world champion if that kid was hungrier than a starving dog looking at a meat truck? I think I even read something where he said he likes hanging around out around 10 in the world. You know, it was really interesting. Years ago, I was I had an opportunity to work for Harry Hopman in New York, and a uh, guy was unbelievable in 1972-73, and had about 150 kids there. And it was it was pretty awesome just being around someone who had won 22 Davis Cup, you know, championships, Davis Cup ties. And I remember there was a kid that was doing great, and he goes, I remember him going, the damn kid will never be champion. And I'm going, whoa, whoa, he's one of the top players in the country. But I remember Mr. Hopman knew the difference between, it'd be like somebody known the difference between fine wine and, uh, hey, wait a minute, this stuff, $10 a bottle is uh, box wine's good stuff, man. And, it, you know, he understood the difference. He understood the difference between a handmade Swiss watch and a Timex or something. But he saw the difference. He understood the difference. The thing is, look, folks, Europe, come on. They ain't doing anything there. Who's doing good? Serbia, Croatia. Why? Why? Because they have to do good in those countries if they want to break out of that lifestyle and all of the war that they went through and all of the need they went to. And I used to tell kids when I was coaching the national team, come on, if Croatia can get good, I go – that was when I was in Thailand and I was coaching a lot of the kids internationally. I said, look, Croatia just won the Davis Cup. If they can do it, we can do it in Thailand. Hey, we can do it in Southeast Asia. If they did it, we can do it. But, you know, I never said the United States is doing it. Every Look, with all of the things we have, ability, desire, opportunity, we have more opportunities than anything else in the world. The worst situation in the United States of America is 20 times better. And, you know, guys, it is not about stuff. It's about the hungriest dog getting the freshest piece of meat. And you got to be as hungry as a starving dog looking at a meat truck. This sport, because this sport makes you lose a lot, a lot. So, Coach, we only got about three, four minutes. You want to jump in there, anything, uh, anything you can um, think of to tell parents there? Um First and foremost is to never allow the kids to quit. That's the, the easiest button that any kid will push once the, the going gets tough is for him to get going. And making sure your your child or daughter ne- never giving up is uh, that's the new American way as far as, as giving up before before you can find the greatness. And that's where you have to just make them see it to the end. Uh, don't allow them to, to stop pushing because once, once they quit tennis, you never know where the – where the quitting stops. Um, yeah, I mean, the other day I had a father come up to me and said, I don't know if my son's going to play baseball anymore. He just doesn't like it. I said, keep him in the game somehow for a while. Kids go up and down in their enthusiasm. And you know what? It's like uh, my my son came in two weeks ago and my wife, he said, I don't like baseball. I, I, and my, my wife goes, well, you want to quit? He, she said, can you see how it would be without baseball? He goes, oh, I, I would hate that. And the point is, is kids are going to go through those things, Coach, where they feel like quitting. Everybody feels like quitting. 
Come on, but you don't quit. Now, there's definitely quitting and at some point changing direction, but you're going to something. You're not running away from something. There's a big difference. So don't let the kids pull the plug because they care and they dare and pressure is there. Help them work through the scenario of caring a lot, and then when they care a lot and are successful, you will see the separation between the participation activities and the performance activities, and it will not make you happy to, uh, you know, to see the participant. You, you don't want to go back and be in the band once you've experienced the orchestra. You don't want to go back and play some kind of crummy music if you, after you've played Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, and Brahms. You know, you don't want to go back and do something that is, nothing is beneath us, okay, nothing. It's not mean that, that I don't go back and work with beginner players or you don't either, coach. We always do that, but it's a new challenge, but you always need to get your youngster to give their best each day to be their best, to be their best. Give their best to be their best, and with that, uh, most of the, most of, most of the problems of uh, motivation could be solved, but folks, it's going to get harder. It's going to get harder because of, uh, you know, play, peers, pain, and pleasure are the three P's. Peers, surround them with the right people, and uh, you can go to a lesser team. My son may be at a lesser team, but he's got a coach that cares a lot, a whole lot, and we're seeking out the adults that care a lot and the kids that care a lot. It's not about, hey, just what, who's got the most fluff and stuff on the outside. Peers are important. Peers are important. Pain is important. Pain, you could say pain engages the brain, you know, and that's nice. But basically, pain moves you. When I told my son this morning, he was hurting over losing playoff game last night, he goes, and I said, son, Pain is important. Turn the bad pain into good pain by going out and trying again and learning more and go run. Go do the bad pain into good pain. But the pain engages. And then reward. Folks, I don't know what to tell you about reward. You know, uh, the kids already get everything. You know, they don't have to win to get trophies. They don't have to win. I, I just say do not allow them to get participation trophies participation plaques, participation certificates. Get the heck those things out of your children's room because in the end they won't mean anything. In the end it's like a rhinestone sitting there instead of a good diamond. You know, and just need to identify that. So folks again, it's the tweener stuff, you know, as I said many, many times, we have uh you know the tweener, the in-betweener is what we're grooming, and mediocrity is, is uh, really the culprit. We're about out of time. I, I want to remind you, without your children in the room, watch Whiplash, Whiplash. Oh, the cussing's so bad. You're going to, oh, my gosh, it's so off the chart. The guy goes, you're just thinking the guy is crazy, over the top. But in the end, the product is the kid becomes the best. And uh, it's not that you do it in that way or that direction, but it really does leave a lot of food for thought. Last, my assistant coach, Wilson Matthews, has just left 
and going to take a job. And, folks, uh, he's a wonderful man. Keep him in your prayers. He helps a lot of a lot of people when he's out there coaching, and I'm just so grateful to have had him for our two and a half years. And then, folks, would you please keep our, my family's loved one in in your prayers? And, and God knows what he's doing, and, and uh, just please keep keep her in your prayers. And uh, uh, as we go through this trying time with our family, and uh, folks, every Wednesday at of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. We'll see you next week on American Tennis. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.